We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter, at Overtime Ireland, and as always, I am joined by Sean Siegel. We are getting ready to look into some interesting listener questions that we're going to talk about in a little couple of moments on the show, Sean, but we have to start this one off looking into some of the reaction to Julio Jones signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what that might mean. We also got the news that it looks like Chris Godwin is quite a bit ahead of where we anticipated that he may be in terms of his recovery so it's gonna be interesting to see how that affects all of the Buccaneers I guess in general but Mike Evans as well and his current ADP Sean you had an instant reaction piece up on rotoviz.com it went out very shortly after this and uh, we're going to dive into it to start today's show we will get to those questions later in the podcast but Sean you know, it was reported certain teams Julio could go to. I don't think we really had it pegged that he may go to the Buccaneers. The one thing I'll say I was right about is he was going to wait to go to a team that could potentially win a Super Bowl. Uh, but So he lands with Tampa Bay, lands with Tom Brady. What were your immediate thoughts on the news? And was it a double whammy looking into the Buccaneers situation with both the Godwin news and the Julio news? I think if we hadn't got the Godwin news at the same time, people would have thought, oh, this isn't good for Chris Godwin. So it was interesting to get both of those in, in such close proximity. Yeah, I think that's a great point, is that if we hadn't also found out that Godwin is probably ahead of schedule, then you would think there'd be some pretty big concerns there. There's also the case to be made that depending on when the signing happened, you could argue that it was a pretty bad sign for Russell Gage, that they weren't that happy with what he was giving early in training camp even though obviously russell gage and julio jones are two very different types of players it's a good reminder that not everything is a message about this or an insight about that sometimes it's just teams going out there and trying to put you know the most powerful squad on the field that they possibly can and we know that the tampa bay buccaneers have had that mo over the past several years as they go for super bowls down the stretch of, of brady's career and it looked like last season might be the swan song might be the end but then once he comes back they're right back into win now mode and this is a fun signing 
I was able to get the, the reaction piece out because I was actually working on a Mike Evans article, uh, one of those discount pieces where we look at players who have a lot of similarities and probably are going to give you almost the entire production and yet at a, a pretty significant discount. One of the reasons why Evans would be interesting there is that he was very expensive in the second round of drafts. And he was very expensive despite the fact that his profile was showing fairly significant signs of decline, right? So over the past two years, he has 13 and 14 touchdowns, trails only Devontae Adams in the touchdown department over the last two seasons. You look at him obviously playing with Aaron Rodgers. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? They ranked number one last season in both overall and situation neutral pass rate. Tom Brady leads the league with over 5,300 yards passing. He sneaks out with the passing touchdown title with 43. And so when you don't have Rob Gronkowski, you don't have Antonio Brown, you're probably not going to get a lot for Chris Godwin until midseason. It looks at least on the surface like Mike Evans is this fantastic pick. And yet when you go in and look at his profile, the target market share declined significantly over the past several seasons. The target depth declined significantly. And, and, and what does that mean? Well, 2018, 2019, 23, 24% market share, that's still not a huge number compared to the receivers that we tend to see as first and, and early second round picks, but solid within the context of a passing offense that is pretty high powered right we talked about how the bucks led in these different passing categories but over the past couple seasons dropped to 18 percent, 17 percent. then that target depth 2018 2019 he's a little bit over 15 yards the last two years drops to 12.2 13.2 the overall air yards are down the yards per reception falls from over 17 to in that 14 yard area now those are still good numbers especially when you add in the touchdowns and so if you look at this from the perspective of okay the target share is down because he's competing with so many good wide receivers i mean antonio brown even kind of here at the end with some of the different uh mental health problems or, or whatever you want to look at a behavioral problems that he has had Still a dynamic receiver. Obviously, Chris Godwin, the overall wide receiver too, just a couple of years ago. You're not going to have that same target share when you're competing with those guys. But then you go in and you look at it in a little bit more detail. You pull up the ceiling signals tool, and look at it on a, a per route basis. And you can see that he was actually targeted less frequently than Godwin, Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, and even Leonard Fournette, right? Now, those guys are running different numbers of routes. Evans is up there at the top, and yet that's still a little bit of a red flag. So then we look a little bit deeper, and we look at the 2022 situation, especially now that we have these signings. And I think that you do have to move Mike Evans down because we see that he was actually targeted less frequently on a per-route basis than Russell Gage. He gained fewer yards per route than Gage. And his target profile actually very similar to what Julio Jones did last year, even in a season where people look at Julio Jones and feel like maybe he's washed because the Titans didn't want to bring him back. But the yards per target for Evans and Jones, almost identical, 9.1 and 9.0. The targets per route, 21% for Jones, 20% for Evans. 
obviously that's going to give you yard per route numbers that are almost identical because those are the two components. The, the one difference there is that Julio obviously didn't run nearly as many routes. He wasn't healthy during the course of the season. His route percentage in those games where he did play was only 65% compared to 77% for Evans. Definitely not saying that these two guys are the same player, but when you look at the relative prices now, Jones becomes pretty interesting and Evans becomes pretty scary, especially as you mentioned with Godwin getting in there. And the issue with Godwin isn't just that maybe he avoided PUP. I still think that they're going to take it easy with him. You know, that's what they have said. I think that the signing of Jones takes the pressure off for him to be super involved early in the season. But if you're drafting a Mike Evans in the second round, there's so much focus right now on like, how do you win in week 16? How do you win in week 17? That focus is very good. If you want to win tournaments, you need to know those elements and be prepared to put together a team that will win in those weeks. At the same time, when you're talking about players who were drafted in the first two, three, four rounds, they need to win for you at the beginning. They need to win for you in the middle. They need to win for you at the end. If Evans is going to be down, you know, below 20% target share down the stretch of the season, which, you know, with this group of receivers, you could easily see, then he's simply not a second round pick. And the price there, I don't think made sense the whole time because you are really relying on some of those touchdowns. Now, the flip side of that column is that there are still concerns about Julio and, and where he is. There are going to be concerns about Godwin throughout the season. Anytime when someone is on an accelerated path back from a fairly serious injury, Russell Gage, someone I trumpeted what he did last year, but also in the article, I do go through kind of the splits pre and post Calvin Ridley. And I mean, he benefited a lot from Ridley being gone. He's not someone now, especially where his ADP makes any sense. And so you would expect all of these guys to slide some. Mike Evans, definitely a player who could still be a big help early. And then within the context of this offense, if those touchdowns come during week 16 and week 17, which we know that they could do. I mean, when you're talking about how do you win a tournament, you need touchdown scoring superstars. And Evans still has that. So I think that you can look at this from a variety of angles. His ADP should fall and it should fall further than i've seen in the first couple of drafts that i've done post signing at the same time he, he's still one of these receivers who falls into that third to mid fourth round range yeah that's very fair and actually you're mentioning where he's sliding i'm doing a slow co-managed draft and uh we're picking at the 103 and in the second round he had slid back to the the two uh the 209 there and we took mike evans <laughs> I uh, I haven't had I haven't really drafted him. We've joked about the early draft slots, so I haven't really been drafting him or targeting him. He hasn't been in the conversation from where he's been going. So maybe it was just that little itch. But when he was sliding down those extra couple of picks, there was kind of another few players. I'm hoping will come back to us. And T Higgins did go one pick ahead of him. So um, yeah, got my one of my first shares of Mike Evans. But you touched on the concerns. You also touched on the potential upsides and. I think when we're drafting those rosters, we're going to try and diversify. But moving forward from that with Mike Evans, I think where you mentioned there kind of probably mid third to mid fourth. I I think he probably will settle, you know, between the three oh three and the 
probably the four or the 308 kind of range. I think he'll be a little bit higher than that. Do you think he starts to slide all the way into the mid fourth? We have to think that Godwin's ADP is probably going to start to creep up a little bit over the last couple of months. If we look at the tracking on, on both underdog and FFPC, Gage has obviously come up quite a bit. Godwin has started to tail off a little bit, but not much kind of around below where he was going at the start. We've seen the opposite where we've seen Evans go up the round. I think Evans probably goes back to where he originally was. And I think, do you think there's a chance that we see if we get positive reports on Godwin that he intersects with Evans and possibly is the first wide receiver for the Buccaneers off the board? The other part of that question is I do think that Godwin doesn't go back to where, or not Godwin, sorry, Gage doesn't go back to where he was before all this happened. But I do think we probably see him slide two to three rounds. I don't think that Godwin can get up to that territory because he's also now fighting with Julio Jones. And one of the things that we saw last year, and it was a little bit fluky because it wasn't just Antonio Brown's presence or absence, but uh, there was a fluky week six game where Evans and Godwin both didn't score particularly well. But one of the things that you do notice is the Godwin's win rate last year before Antonio Brown got hurt was was not great right now it was well above average for the first five weeks before he had that disastrous week six performance but then it was after brown is gone that he jumps back up there and is around 11 percent when he himself gets injured I mean, julio jones still someone and i think especially in this offense that you have to take pretty seriously i i, I still think that godwin is a late season hammer type of play and i don't think that you can take that really much above where he's currently going the the tricky part with evans is you know he's in that tier between michael pittman at wide receiver 11 and deontay johnson at wide receiver 19 it seems like pittman is probably being a little bit overdrafted the range of outcomes tool kind of agrees with our site ranking, which has him a little bit lower. And I don't want this to be like an anti Michael Pittman point really, because he could go out there and have a very nice season. The idea that he's going to get this big bump with Matt Ryan and benefit, not to the level of like a Cooper cup, but benefit and be up there ahead of the chargers wide receivers, I think is a little bit odd for me now, it would be hard to take Mike Evans ahead of the Chargers wide receivers because you're talking about guys who in a lot of ways are probably pretty similar. Now, Keenan Allen, you know, a similar type of player to Mike Evans in terms of having this long track record of production. They're obviously different players. Their skill sets manifest differently out on the football field. Mike Williams, a guy who probably is more similar stylistically to Mike Evans and had a really strong first month month and a half of the season before he suffered an injury and that injury is probably the only thing actually holding him down out of the two three turn almost certainly i think would be going ahead of Pittman if not for that injury and you look at the situation there with the chargers they have justin herbert you know is that as good or potentially better than tom brady since herbert you would assume is ascending where i mean herbert is definitely ascending the assumption i guess is on tom brady and whether or not you think that he is going to decline a little bit one of the things that he's been insistent about there with the buccaneers is to have the weapons so that he can ward off that decline or balance out any type of physical issues that he is having 
But the Chargers also now have less target competition. And so for those two players to go behind Mike Evans now, I don't think that that would make sense. So I think that you have to like them above where he is. They're also in that potential week 17 shootout with the Rams that could be a lot of fun. So that's kind of where I would put Evans. I think that he then falls into that range where you have Jalen Waddle, Cortland Sutton, Marquise Brown, Deontay Johnson definitely would go still above Terry McLaurin and Allen Robinson, who are kind of in the back half of the fourth round. I think this puts Russell Gage now in the Jacoby Myers area of wide receiver 60. And again, I mean, that's not any kind of huge criticism. And Jacoby Myers is a good wide receiver, but you're looking at the potential for him to really impact the offense and have those big target numbers you know it's just not there if julio jones is going to be there now we still may find out that jones has to prove something even to make the team and if that's the case then i think you can hold in with some of these other buccaneers receivers a little bit more but in that case it would be chris godwin whom i'd be targeting not the other two players we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Moving into some listener questions now, Sean, as we dive into these, we're, we're getting a lot of questions still dynasty related, even though we're starting to get more into the redraft baseball side of things. We wanted to touch on this because perpetual reloading is something that does come up quite a bit. Evan Steiner sent in, hi column, just a quick update. He had messages previously. So yesterday he was approached to see if he had an, any interest in Jonathan Taylor. He said, of course he did. So 
Uh, after some quick negotiations, he moved DK Metcalf, AJ Brown in the 311. He said, what amounts to the 11-11 in our startup? Then he said for Jonathan Taylor to put him at Lamar Jackson, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, and Kyle Pitts as his keepers. So he's starting to get into a pretty strong position there. He said he previously had moved up from the 209 to the 305, or for the 305 and the 310, uh, and has four third-rounders too. So he said the original question kind of been a case study for him and perpetual reloading and when to what to do to build that super team but he obviously looking at this sean mentioning he loves the ffpc draft shows but the main topic here is the move for jonathan taylor and what our thoughts on that are so we have seen a situation where he has lamar jackson jonathan taylor jk dobbins jamar chase justin jefferson t higgins and kyle pitts so he has a strong team but then it's about what he gives up to get jonathan taylor so when we're looking about perpetual reloading sometimes that is moving away from players to to you know ahead of them leaving their prime i guess we could say but and this one is dk metcalf aj brown and the 311 for jonathan taylor how are you feeling about that overall i suppose we could say dk metcalf could be the one in decline in value but aj brown's value continues to ascend it's quite a package uh, to give up would you be saying that it's an overpay or it's a fair value or an underpay here to get jt well, this is one of the reasons that putting together a super team gives you so many different options because you have the depth to move even star caliber players. Is there a possibility that three years down the line, Evan looks at this and thinks, well, DK Metcalf is still a star, AJ Brown is still a star, and Jonathan Taylor is now moving out of his window, both for production and for trade value from a dynasty slash keeper situation? And yeah, I mean, I think that there is that risk. Metcalf and Brown are two huge talents at the wide receiver position. Obviously, they both have some hurdles to negotiate this season with Metcalf having the poor quarterback situation and Brown being in this offense that could be run heavy. We're thinking that there's at least the possibility that that will flip with the Eagles. And if that possibility does occur, then these guys are going to be mispriced and that'll be favorable for people who are drafting Brown and Devonte smith dallas goddard but if you're in a potential run first offense that also has two other very good players then you know you're going to get squeezed even if you're aj brown so from that perspective i think you have to love the ability to get a player who for 2022 should be the highest leverage player in fantasy football right and we talk about him being in that first tier in even super flex dynasty startups because the number of running backs who can gap the field in terms of scoring for your lineup and win you the current title and also are young enough and talented enough to have significant trade value is, is limited to basically Jonathan Taylor. Right now, I think there's an argument that Brees Hall will get in there. We've got a couple of prospects in the 2023 draft who could get up there. There's... Also a dynamic where Christian McCaffrey is still arguably in that group simply because his ceiling is so much higher than everyone else. And if you have a couple of potential seasons of him continuing to score, then especially at running back, where even in Dynasty, I mean, running back is a year-to-year proposition. So you want those points and you want the players who can really change a team and change a league 
you know, even once you, you know, think about it from just a, a non-super flex redraft perspective. And once you get out of those top two picks, it's really not the case that you're going to be able to get that type of production. We saw it fleetingly from Derrick Henry last year, but then unfortunately he wasn't able to make it through that season healthy after he'd had the two previous uh, fantastic years where in those years, even though he was the best pure runner in football, again, didn't separate from a scoring perspective. So I love this team. It's absolutely loaded in terms of the starting lineup. You can deal out of depth when you have Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, T Higgins, Kyle Pitts. I think this is a great move to win the season. And I think that it's still are going to be, there's going to be plenty of flexibility to continue to make moves in the upcoming years because this team is both so good and still so young. Yeah, it is. It's obviously, as I mentioned, a huge package to give up. But if there's a, one player that we're, we're looking to do that for, it is going to be Jonathan Taylor. So best of luck, Evan, with that. Thanks for sending the question. Hopefully the roster brings home a championship in 2022. Next question, Sean, comes in from Peter Wilson. Hey, guys, love OT. And I've been listening avidly for about a year. Uh, we're glad to have you listening. And obviously, Peter, thanks for that. Um, it's been very fun and informative. So, he says, I wanted to inquire about your thoughts on using zero RB build in my 12-team home league this year. I have the ninth pick, starting rosters, one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, and then two flexes, one tight end, one defense. He said, your influence has led me to go anchor RB in my home league last year to pretty good success. Uh, lost to the Jonathan Taylor team in the championship. So this fits in, Sean, with the conversation we were having with the previous roster uh, i'm strongly looking and i'm strongly considering going full zero rb this year a few things point a few points in his favor he said it's half point ppr most league mates are heavy on running back in the draft particularly in the early rounds so wide receivers will drop i tend to be more and inf more informed drafter than the majority of the others in the league who often rely on other websites we'll just say for their data so good values later in the draft um, he said he had a few hesitant situations though that may be not ideal for this so short bench only six spots and two irs uh, and then it is might be challenging to have enough wide receiver firepower on the bench or a backup qb or a tight end for example uh, while covering the late rbs as well seems like it might be some something might need to give and he said reserve standing on waivers rather than fab budget makes it harder to acquire RBs in season that are needed to compete. So he said last year he got lucky uh, picking up Patterson and, and managed to trade for Eli Mitchell. Do you have any advice? This is probably a separate question, Sean. Do you have any advice for an anti-fragile drafter in this situation? I don't know if that means he's anti <laughs> he means that he doesn't want to run him backs in this draft or he wants to be anti-fragile in this draft but thanks in advance so that's from peter wilson and i mentioned it's great to hear where people are coming from and listening from he mentions he's from london and the uk so sean a number of things there the flex spots give you the ability to start four wide receivers in this league so you can have one quarterback two running backs four wide receivers one tight end one defense so it definitely would build up towards a zero rb build there's half point ppr so similar to what we're trying to do at the ffpc obviously any league that you're in where wide receivers will drop based on running backs going earlier can be beneficial for this as well uh, the short bench though can cause some issues and then not having you know a, a waiver budget system but rather you know basically priority to one team per week um can make it a little bit trickier do you think six bench spots is enough um when you're looking at these 
season-long leagues. Obviously, when we're in our FFPC, it is still relatively short benches in those as well. What's your thoughts overall on Peter's question here? Yeah, I mean, this question is is very well structured because the elements that he notes are are very important, right? And this two two and two format plays quite a bit differently than a two three and one, and then a half PPR is going to play quite a bit different than a full PPR. And I think that one of the reasons that he mentioned that half PPR works in his favor is that there are still plenty of leagues that do use standard scoring. So half PPR is going to be much more favorable for the wide receivers than standard. And yet at the same time, it's much more favorable for the running backs than a full PPR is. And that's one of the things that we see when we look at the win the flex tool. And uh, the cool thing there is that we have the half PPR data in from underdogs. You can look at a, a a similar format and then you can make some changes and you can contrast that to a full ppr format connor had a really good article recently helping to explain to underdog drafters that because of that third wide receiver slot and the requirement to fill that with a receiver that it does change the dynamic significantly and you can use the win the flex to manipulate your starting lineup you can choose different options for the flex position whether you want that to be a running back or a wide receiver based on underdog adp it actually does push you in the direction of wanting to be somewhat running back heavy because running backs are going to outscore relative to adp but in this league if it's very running back heavy because you don't have to start that third wide receiver right it can be a four running back two wide receiver format as well so that's the other thing that we have to consider if it becomes very running back heavy then you're going to see that balance shift back to either being equal or in the favor of wide receivers so your particular league trends are going to matter and if it does kind of move back in the direction of being balanced then i think that that pushes you to either an anchor rb build or a zero rb build because even in half PPR, the other dynamics that we talk about for zero RB, this ability for you to hit on running backs who emerge and are the clear-cut starter and the clear-cut point scorer for their team in a different sort of dynamic than at the receiving position, and with obviously those injuries also being very high to the bell cows, then you can put together this team in half PPR that's dynamic. So I don't think that we can definitively answer the question but we can look at the types of things that we're weighing. Now, Colin, you mentioned the bench spots. If you can't keep and sort of stash your running backs that you have taken because they're very, very talented and you like what they would do if they got a shot, that does make it trickier, right? I think that you can still get the benefit of having the wide receiver talent and depth in the starting lineup and then it, it depends a lot on how your league is actually doing waivers can you wait and not make any waiver picks during the waiver time period and kind of preserve that priority until you need it and make a couple of of moves at the key moment and otherwise be adding in some running backs you know once waivers are over if it's into sort of the first come first serve free agency at that point so those are some of the things that we deal with here i think that going full zero rb would be would 
introduce additional risk that maybe isn't necessary in this particular league. And so I think maybe sticking with the approach from last season that was so successful might be my recommendation. But but those are some of the things that we would be considering as we built out our tactics. And then just as well, who's actually available when you're on the clock at number nine and then when it wraps around into the second round, you know, how high are you on a DeAndre Swift? How high are you on a Saquon Barkley? You know, does Derrick Henry fall to that spot and do you want him there? I mean, <laughs> Zach and I just drafted Derrick Henry in the second round of one of our FFPC best ball leagues. And then in the pros versus Joes that Ben and I did last night, Derrick Henry almost made it to us at the 209. And so, you know, there are going to potentially be some options there that I think you want to be ready to take advantage of if they do pop up in your draft, as opposed to deciding 100% one way or another which direction you're going to go before the draft starts. Yeah. And I think in this league, that might make a lot of sense to have that kind of hero RB build but take that running back in the second round because if it is running back heavy through those you know opening picks you may have a really good shot at getting one of those kind of top three wide receivers at that pick and then having the opportunity maybe as sean mentioned with the likes of swift or barkley to uh, get your running back there and it also means that maybe not needing to try and stash as many running backs on the bench side of things there also but great question that question uh, coming in again as i mentioned from peter thanks for sending that one in as we get ready to close out the show the one thing i would like to mention here is if you have not signed up for a road of his nfl pass yet you have the perfect opportunity to do it now at the perfect time of the season we did mention the article with mike evans and julio johnson i guess the whole wide receiver room for the tampa bay buccaneers from sean that is up on rotaviz.com articles like that the tools everything else you'll get up on the website sean's zero rb list will be coming out in the next month or so obviously they'll be coming out before the season starts but you'll be able to get all that information by going to rotaviz.com and being able to access them on the site the rotaviz nfl pass you can get a 10 percent discount off that while signing up using the code rv radio 2022 at checkout once again that code is rv radio 2022 for a 10 discount that is going to bring us to the end of this episode my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime Ireland. obviously check out all of sean's work on rotoviz.com the links to the article we discussed today will be in today's show notes but until we're back on saturday with another podcast have a good one thank you for listening to overtime and rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotoviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz with a discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast <laughs>